you guys can take your seats. So good to be at Table View. Um, it feels like it's been a while that I've since I've preached. So I'm super excited about this morning. But um, we're going to start off just by praying. And um, if you've heard me preach before, you probably will, maybe you've heard me pray this before. And I often pray the same thing. You might think, why does she pray the same thing? And I, I'm going to pray it this morning. I'm going to pray that God gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay, and the reason why I always pray that before I preach is because you guys haven't come here this morning to hear me talk. Okay, you want to get a word from God, right? You want the King of the universe to speak to your heart. And so Paul says in the Bible, he writes to the Ephesian church, he says, I pray that you'll have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know God better. So we are praying that you guys are gonna hear directly from God. There's gonna be no distractions and you're gonna have one of those aha moments where God speaks directly to you. Is that good? So we're gonna pray together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And there is nowhere else you'd rather be than in your house this morning. You are good, you are powerful, you are the reason that we breathe. And I pray that you will give every one of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation this morning so we can hear your voice, so that we can hear directly from you. Lord, I pray against any distraction in Jesus' Name. I pray I will get out of the way and that your will will be done in Jesus' precious Name. All of God's people said, Amen. Awesome. So if you guys enjoyed the Encounter Week, I hope you've been able to join us. Anyone in being here this, this week in the evenings? It's been good. Um, even if you haven't joined us, I want to encourage everyone to try and double dip tonight if you can as we end off the Encounter series. It's going to be food on sale. Like the team said, it's going to be awesome. But as we've been, we've been talking about encountering God leading up into this week. And I'm going to end it off, basically, end off um, the topic before tonight. And we're going to start reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16. Here we go. Samuel anoints David. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way, because I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, and I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice it to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and put him, sorry, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? 
They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending to the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. I'm going to read verse 13 again. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, if we're you know, talking about encountering God, I think you guys can all agree that as a young boy, David had an encounter with the living God. Would you agree? We just read that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. That was an encounter. And if you actually study the life of David, you can see he was never the same again after that. When this happens, he's a young shepherd boy, the youngest of eight brothers. He was the forgotten one. His dad didn't even bring him in from the field. They just left him out there. Didn't think he could possibly be important enough to be invited at the dinner. And then David goes on this journey. He has an encounter with God and he's changed forever. And I'm gonna give you a brief summary of his life in case you're not familiar with it, but he has this encounter and then he goes back to tending the sheep, but then he gets sent to take his brother sandwiches while they're fighting Goliath, but they're actually not fighting Goliath. They're too scared of him. And David steps in after an encounter with God. He takes down Goliath. And then... A little bit later on, Saul, who is the father of his best friend, Jonathan, realizes that he has been anointed as the next king and wants him taken out. And David's fleeing for his life and has the perfect opportunity to kill Saul one day while he's sleeping unguarded. And he says, no, God will take him out at the right time. I'm not gonna touch God's anointed. I'm not, that's what I've been taught. And he has this incredible faith and trust in God. And then at the right time, he becomes king and he leads so well. He, he actually is, is leading this massive empire for God. The Jewish nation is flourishing under him. And then he goes and messes up royally. We'll touch on that. Bathsheba enters the picture. David messes up really badly, but he repents. And basically, I think what is so powerful is, is the way he finishes. His life, is fin- his, his life ends, right? It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And how he finishes is that he leaves this incredible legacy. He throws all his wealth and his money into building the temple, which he knows he'll never see finished, but he's doing it to leave a legacy for his son, Solomon. And he writes most of the Psalms that we read today, and he actually lives this incredible life. But the point I want to make is that he clearly had an encounter with God. It marked him and he was changed forever. Never the same. And if you're like me, when I read about David's life, I go, you know what? My God is no respecter of persons. If he can do it for David, he can do it for me. So I wanna be in his presence. I wanna encounter God because in God's presence, anything can happen in my marriage, in my relationship, in my job, with my children, in God's presence, with an encounter with him, anything can happen. And that's why I don't wanna miss church on a Sunday. 
Even David says it. Those words that we always repeat, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. That was David saying that. He says, he goes further. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord at God's church than feast with the wealthy and the wicked. David understood the power of being in God's house and encountering God because it changed him and it marked him. And if he can do it for David, he can do it for you. And that's why when it's pouring with rain, we get out of bed and we come to church. When it's hot and sunny and the beach looks amazing, we're at church because we know that better is one day in his house than a thousand days doing anything else anywhere else. Amen? Come on, there's nothing like being in his presence. So what we're going to do is look quickly at five things that happen when you allow yourself to encounter the living God. And the first thing that happens is you get a deep hunger for God's presence and His glory to exist in every area of your life. I'm going to read that again. Encountering God establishes a deeper hunger for His presence and glory to exist in every area of your life, okay? You want more. You become hungry for God. We mentioned how David was never ever the same after that encounter. And he says in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God and I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there's no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary and I've gazed upon your power and your glory and your unfailing love is better than life itself. Oh, how I praise you. Come on. He was hungry for more of God's presence. He'd had some and he wanted some more. Would you agree? Those are powerful words that he wrote. Maybe you are battling to follow me. Um, have I spoken to you guys about Tim Tams? No. My favorite biscuits in the world. Anyone here had Tim Tams? Okay, a few of you. You will know what I'm talking about. Okay, these are Australian biscuits. And when I was about 17 years old, I went overseas for the first time and we went to Australia and we were watching the local Australian television and they start talking about Tim Tams and they advertised a Tim Tam Slam. And we are like, what the, what the heck is a Tim Tam and what is a Tim Tam Slam? And they're explaining on TV how you take the Tim Tam, this rectangular biscuit, and you cut the one corner or you bite it off because you don't want to waste any Tim Tam. And then you bite the opposite corner off. Then you take your beverage of choice. It must be hot. So maybe it's tea or coffee or hot chocolate. You put the Tim Tam, the one corner, in your beverage, and then you suck the liquid through. And the minute you feel it coming through the other end, you take it out quickly, because if you leave it too long, it will drop in your coffee and you will cry. So you take it out quickly, throw it in your mouth, and it just melts. And it's pure heaven. And I'm telling you, when you've tasted it, you want some more. Can I get an amen from these? They've tasted it. They know what I'm saying. You want some more. It's so good. <laughs> you daydream about Tim Tams. You, we would have friends and family going to Australia and they'd go, do you want anything? And we're like, is, is that even a, are you trying to be funny? We'll pay for an extra bag if you'll fill it with Tim Tams. This is no jokes. My family legit did this. You can now buy them in South Africa, but they're ridiculously expensive. But they are so good, okay? They're addictive. You want more. They're a treat. 
I want you to get an idea of how David felt about God's presence. It was so good. He wanted more every day. He wasn't happy with that one encounter that he'd had as a shepherd boy. He wanted to see God glorified all the time. And that's why when he arrives, still as a young shepherd boy, but he's had this encounter with God and he gets to the battlefield bringing sandwiches for his older brothers and he's watching this giant Goliath mock his God. Now, don't get me wrong, Goliath was terrifying. He was this massive beast, but he was saying, oh, you guys, you talk about your powerful God, but you guys, if your God's so powerful, why won't any of you take me on? And he's mocking God. And he says, if you'll take me on and you win and your God's as big as you say he is, then we'll become your servants. But if I win, you guys are our slaves. And David's watching as the Israelites are cowering in fear, as this guy lays into his God. But David was not having any of that because he'd been in his God's presence and he wanted him to be glorified. And he knew how big his God was. And he actually says these words. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And he goes, if none of you will take him on, I will take him on because God will fight this battle for me. And nobody speaks about my God in that way. He was bold. Why? Because he'd been in the presence of his God. And so he says, give me him. I'll I'll have a go. And Saul's kind of like, has he lost the plot? Saul says, at least wear my armour. But Saul's armour was too big. He had to take it off. He's like, I don't need this stuff. I've got God. And you know the story. He takes a sling and a stone and he hits Goliath with the stone right in the the forehead, he collapses, and just to finish him off, he takes Goliath's own sword and chops his head off. But where did he get that boldness from? Where did he get that that desire to see God glorified? He got it from being in his presence, and it made him bold. It made him want to see his God lifted up. Boldness and a hunger to see God glorified comes when you've encountered Him. The second thing that encountering God will do is it will totally change the trajectory of your family and those closest to you. Famous verse, Joshua 24, verse 15, it says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You guys need to remember that your family is your greatest legacy. Not your business, not your degrees, not your empire you've put together financially. Your family is your greatest legacy. And you can build a spiritual legacy by the decisions you make. And it's never too late. Maybe you're going, ah, I'm old now, Leanne. It's never too late. But encountering God will actually cause you to leave a legacy. We look at David. He has his son Solomon who becomes the next king. And as I mentioned, David, there's a whole bunch of scripture on it, but for time's sake, I'm gonna summarize it. But David really, at the end of his life, he takes all of his personal gold and his personal riches and he goes, I'm sowing this into your temple, God. And he asks the Israelites to do the same thing. And he says, what a privilege that I can use this to build your house, your temple. Because God, everything I have belongs to you anyway. It all came from you and it's all for you. So what an honour that I can sow this into your house. And Solomon's watching his dad sow everything into building this beautiful temple. 
And God had told David because of his sin, he wouldn't get to see the temple finished. But he was like, this isn't for me. This is for my son, Solomon, and for my children's children and my children's children's children. I want my God to have the most beautiful place where he can be worshipped and lifted up. So I'm going to sow everything into it. And you know what? That kind of a life leaves an impression on your children because they're watching everything. Ask me. I've got two little girls. They watch everything I do. It's a lot of pressure. They make me say, sorry, Jesus, when I get angry in traffic. And I'm like, who's the parent here? Seriously, girls. But they watch everything you do. And I want to impress them with my faith, the way David impressed Solomon with his faith, the way my parents impressed me with my faith. Sometimes we think the best thing we can leave our kids is two paid off houses. Oh, they'll be set up for life. I'm telling you now, they can't take those houses to heaven with them. They can take a spiritual legacy, God's protections, God's blessing. That's what they can take with them to heaven. That's what your kids need more than anything else. If you can leave them houses, that's awesome. And I pray you all can. But the most important thing you can leave them is a spiritual legacy where you've served God. When I was about 16, I'll never forget this, my parents found out that their retirement annuity had been mismanaged and they were getting nothing out. Now they could have handled that a lot of ways. They could have gone legal, they could have thrown a tantrum, they could have wailed, they could have been, what's gonna happen to us? But you know what they did? They said, God is God. And they took the little money they could get out of it and they bought a boat to send missionaries down the Zambezi River to reach unreached people, unreached people groups. So it was used on the missions field. They said, we're gonna take it and we're gonna sow it into God's kingdom and God will look after us. And I saw that and it left a massive impression on me because they were saying, you know what? The most important thing in this life is seeing people get to know Jesus. There's people in Zambia who don't have anything. They walk for days to get to church. We need more churches. We're gonna focus on that. We've got food, we've got clothes. God will take care of us. And as a teenager, I was like, flip, I wanna be like my parents. They impressed me with their faith. David impressed Solomon. I believe that because you know what? When Solomon became king, he was very young. And God said to him, Solomon, I'll give you anything. What do you want? And he said, God, I'm young. I need wisdom to lead your people properly. He didn't ask for wealth or riches or fame. And God said, you know what? because you've asked for wisdom to lead my people wisely. I'm gonna give you wisdom, but I'm also gonna make you the most famous king. I'm gonna give you riches. I'm gonna make, make you famous as an added bonus because that's not what you were looking for. But Solomon was impressed by his father's faith. His father always put God first. Amen? And our faith and our lives can make a huge difference. It should, it will whether we like it or not, a bad difference or a good difference in the lives of the people around us, specifically our family. The third thing that encountering God will do is it will heal the inner parts of your heart. Matthew 11 verse 28, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, I know that there are people in this room, you desperately need rest, spiritual rest. Maybe you've got intense financial stress. 
Maybe your children are not in a good place. Maybe your marriage is in a bad place. Maybe your boss is behaving terribly and you just need some rest. You're only going to get that rest when you go to Jesus. When you encounter Jesus, he'll give you a peace that only he can give you. And again, we see it in David's life. Imagine having the king of Israel, who at the time was Saul, who was a wicked man, chasing you, wanting your head. And then you finally get this opportunity to take him out. He's unguarded. Who would have taken him out? That's why I wasn't made queen of anything. Because I probably would have taken matters into my own hand and justified it. But David was so close to God. He had a peace that only comes and a rest that only comes when you're close to God, when you're encountering God and you're going, no, I'm gonna do things God's way. My life is in God's hands. My God is in control. He says He's my provider. He's gonna sort out my finances. He says that He loves my children. He's gonna bring them back. He says that He will the boundary lines have fallen for me in peasant places. He's gonna give me a new job or he's gonna sort it out. He said, and I'm gonna stand on his word because he's my God. He's my Abba Father. He's my Savior. So I have a peace. I'm not gonna fight for myself. My God will fight for me. And he leaves Saul. He goes, at the right time, God will take him out. I'm not gonna touch God's anointed. And at the right time, God did. And he became king. But that peace, it only comes from encountering God, that rest that so many of us desperately, desperately need. The fourth thing that happens when we encounter God is it repositions us on the path that He set for us. Encountering God repositions you on the path He set for you. Psalm 32 verse 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Our God has a plan for your life. You need to know that. You're not here by accident. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And only the one who created you knows the best path for you. And encountering Him gives them an opportunity to show you that path. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You've got a, he's, got, he's got a perfect plan for you. Every day was written in His book of life before you were even born. You can think I'm nuts. I'm not nuts. I promise you I'm not nuts. It doesn't matter if you believe me or not. He knows you and He loves you and He's got the best plan for you. But get into His presence and He'll tell you what it is. David messed up really badly. You all know that part of the story. Maybe you don't. He watched a beautiful woman called Bathsheba bathing, decided he liked what he saw, even though he was married, she was married. He ended up having an affair with her. She gets pregnant. So what he ends up doing is getting her husband killed on the battlefield. He puts him in the front line and he gets taken out. And God doesn't let David get away with it. He says, you're a murderer and an adulterer. But it's David's response that matters. 
David repented. Remember, repenting means turning away from. So Saul sinned, but he wasn't repentant. David was repentant. David stopped, David changed. There were consequences for his sin. Like he never got to see the temple finished and they actually lost that baby boy. But God forgave him. God put him back on the right path. God made sure that he had a beautiful inheritance. God described him in his living word as a man with a heart after God's own heart. What am I trying to say to you this morning? It doesn't matter how far you've strayed or how badly you've messed up. If you say sorry to God, He will put you back on the right path. There's nothing you've done that's too bad for our God to fix. He's powerful and all-knowing and He loves you so desperately. He loves you and He wants you. And He's got an amazing plan for you. Greater than any plan you could possibly have for yourself. So I'm gonna ask you guys to stand to your feet. Because I believe every person in this room falls into one of three categories. You might be going, Leanne, I'm actually doing really well. I've had a great week. God and I are like this. Life is good. Well, then you know what? You need to worship God right now. Because everything that's good in your life is from God, by His grace, for His glory. And you need to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm in a good place. Because it's only by Your grace. So you need to worship Him. Maybe you say, Leanne, I need peace. I need rest. I need breakthrough in my marriage, in my finances, with my children. You know what you need to do? You need to worship Him. Because you'll get close to Him. You can encounter Him. And only He can give you the rest that you need. So right now as we worship, you need to lift your hands. Say, God, I surrender. I need you and I need your rest. And the last category. Maybe you say, Leanne, I've strayed so far from God. You heard what I just said. He is bigger. He is stronger. And He loves you. And you need to cry out to Him and say, God, I'm coming back. We love you, Jesus. You are our Saviour. You are our King. You are our everything. We worship you in this moment. Thank you that you see our hearts. We love you, Jesus. Just while we stay in this attitude of worship, with every head bowed out of respect, when we were singing now, I just felt so strongly, you know, so easy to get caught up in this rut. We, we wake up and we go to work so we can come home and have a bath and watch Netflix and then go to bed and then wake up and do it again and then we can't wait for the weekend just to break the cycle and you know life is not about that when you know Jesus and you've encountered Jesus life is about waking up and going God what can I do for you today who can I pray for who can I invite to church what mission are we on together today and it makes life exciting and it makes life worthwhile guys to know that you can't encounter God if you're not in a relationship with God and that's different from coming to church every week so you might be coming to church but you're not in a real relationship with God I would be doing you the biggest disservice if I didn't give you an opportunity this morning to say Jesus I want you to be Lord of my life and I want to enter into a relationship with you 
if you never actually asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, maybe you did a long time ago, but you know you need to recommit. I wanna give you that opportunity this morning. It's the best decision you could ever make, best decision I ever made. You get to go on an exciting journey with a God who adores you, who will have your back. So with every head bowed, I'm gonna count to three and ask you to boldly lift your hand. Because Jesus says in His Word, if you stand up before me, before men, I will stand up before you, before my Father in heaven. So every head bowed out of respect, I'm gonna count to three. One, God so loved the world. Two, then He gave His one and only Son. Three, you can lift your hand boldly if you wanna give your life to Jesus. I see that hand, I see that hand, that's awesome. I see that hand, anyone else? See that hand, that's awesome. See that hand, I see those two hands, that's awesome. See that hand, see that hand. Anybody else, just pop it up so I can see it. Pop it up if you haven't already. I see that hand, best decision you could ever make. Anybody else, see that hand. Anyone else, just pop it up. You were made on purpose for a purpose. You are loved, you are called. Anybody else, just pop it up. pray together. We're a family. Can we do this together, church, loud and boldly? We're going to do this together. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross. And paying the price for my sin. Paying the price for my sins. Today, today, I ask you, I ask you to be Lord of my life. To be Lord of my life. To forgive me of my sins. To forgive me of my sins. I want to enter, I want to enter into a relationship with you. A relationship with you. Thank you that the Bible says, thank you that the Bible says that you love me, that you, love me, that you created me, that you created and that forevermore, forevermore, I am yours and you are mine. You are mine. That I never have to walk alone. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Awesome. You just hit a spiritual home run by praying that prayer. And we always say it, but in baseball, if you hit a home run, don't stop at first base, run all the bases. Come and join us on Saturday and learn about our dream team. Get into a view group. Don't try and do this journey alone. Come back tonight. Tonight's going to be powerful and incredible. I'm going to hand over to my team. Well, have an amazing week, everybody. We'll see you next week.